Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest. Ken Wong is with us. He is portfolio specialist for Asian equities at East Spring Investments. He's on the line from Singapore. Ken, we can talk about the macro in a moment as it relates to the Fed and the path of interest rates and the dollar story. Give me your take on where things stand with this semiconductor issue after the Biden administration moved to further restrict China's access to uh, the cutting-edge chip technology that the U.S. has right now. We're seeing a lot of damage across the not only U.S. chip space, but chips in Japan and in uh, South Korea as well. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's going to be a, uh, you know, sort of a knee-jerk reaction because the fact is, is that a lot of the, uh, the various Chinese companies today, um, you know, still do rely on a lot of semiconductor chips from, you know, global companies. And in particular, you know, sort of with China's push towards uh, electric vehicles, uh, there's been really a growing demand for semiconductor chips. And also, this is one of the reasons why, you know, over the past couple of years, China has, you know, really been increasing their capex uh, for their own uh, domestically product, uh, production of semiconductor chips. So, you know, we're getting to a point now where, you know, potentially that could escalate things further. Potentially that could also be opportunities for uh, semiconductor related companies within China to really step up the process of uh, developing semiconductor chips. What about when we're looking at some of the big earnings? We're talking about the big slide in TSMC and it's going to report later in the week. Are you expecting some more downward uh, revisions? Definitely, you know, within Asia, Japan, I would say, aside from China, where we expect for earnings uh, to potentially have troughed already when it comes to consensus earnings estimates for 2023, for most of Asia, um, they're still heading towards a, uh, a lower trajectory when it comes to consensus earnings growth. Um, and so it's one of those situations where, you know, right now, overall market expectations are not looking so well right now for any uh, meaningful earnings upgrade for the time being. You know, when we look at uh, chip exports for the first 10 days of the month coming out of South Korea, down more than 20 percent, I'm, w- I'm wondering whether or not you want to try and catch the falling knife here. Are there opportunities to put money to work in the chip space or are you going to just avoid things for the time being? Right now, yeah, we would want to take a step back and basically look to see where the opportunities are. Now, obviously, if there's certain companies which are going to be trading substantially well below their intrinsic value, 
uh, being a value style investor, especially you know across the uh, the Asia region, especially within the, uh, the emerging Asia space as well. You know, we do look for opportunities when it comes to you know sort of where stocks are trading well below their intrinsic intrinsic value, especially uh, given some of the large corrections that we've been seeing. Wanted to get some of your thoughts on where opportunity is when we are looking at these fears of a global recession and central bank tightening. You're looking at uh, India and China as potential, I guess, gainers in terms of some economic growth for 2023. Yeah, that's where exactly we're uh, looking for opportunities. The fact is, is that when you look at economic growth for this coming year, we still see, you know, fairly strong, robust growth coming from both India as well as China. Um, and also at the same point, you know, when you look at China, the fact is, is that inflation is not an issue. Uh, the fact is that when you look at uh, overall interest rate policies, there's definitely going to be, you know, further loosening when needed. Fiscal policies will also provide more support to the country as well. Um, so there are potential, you know, uh, uh, specific uh, valuation opportunities when it comes to investing in places like China. India, um, it's really focusing on, you know, sort of the growth opportunities, focusing on specifically where, you know, we're expecting the country to be heading over the next couple of years when it comes to earnings growth potential. So here in the States, uh, we're looking forward to, I guess you could say, the holiday shopping season as being a key driver of some of the retail price action. Uh, today, Adobe issued a new forecast for online holiday spending, and they are predicting massive discounts price cuts for computers, electronics, toys, that type of stuff. And I'm wondering how you think margins are going to hold up in the current environment. Is there still, I know you're talking about a relatively low level of inflation in Asia vis-a-vis -vis the U.S., but are you seeing any evidence of price pressure? Not at the moment, but what we do expect to see potentially is, you know, especially for a lot of Asian exporters, you know, how would the slowdown in the U.S. affect overall bottom line for a lot of the exporters. We know for a fact that overall, uh, when you look at consumer sentiment in places like the US, it continues to uh, trend downwards. And it's gonna be important to see, you know, how this holiday season is gonna shape up when it comes to overall sales figures. And if sales figures do come in weaker than expected, then that definitely will have a fairly big impact on a lot of the Asian exporters. Um, and it's also one of the situations now when we look at you know places like China, they're actually exporting less to the U.S. and more to Asia. And so, you know, with potential any slowdowns in the U.S., it might not necessarily have as deep of an impact to Chinese exporters because their focus and their attention now is actually more on Asian countries. We know a big part of the growth story is China reopening. When we look at Japan reopening as of today, how much is that kind of stymied by the fact that Chinese tourists still can't get in? That could be a fairly you know, robust issue because, you know, pre-COVID, we have seen, you know, a big majority of Chinese tourists being a, a, a fairly big spender when it comes to sales and when it comes to, you know, purchasing goods and services within Japan. Uh, the fact is, is that, you know, with Japan opening and with the weekend, it will help to some extent because there is still going to be quite a bit of pinned up demand from a lot of tourists from other parts of the world. And so this definitely will benefit Japan. But the other important aspect for Japan is, you know, when you do start to have an influx of individuals going in, is that going to also help foreign direct investments? Because the fact that with a weekend, that does have the opportunities potentially for investors to go back into Japan to see specifically opportunities when it comes to investing in the country again. You know, we saw a little bit of weakness in the price of crude oil in the New York session, but uh, that was the first sign of weakness we have seen in about five days. And in that five-day period, New York crude was up 17% 
as the market focused on uh, the reduced production coming out of OPEC plus. Where does oil and the potential for oil to remain elevated, where, where does that enter your thinking very quickly? Well, when it comes to oil prices, you know, with any weakening of oil prices, it definitely does help some of the Asian countries like India as well as Indonesia uh, when it comes to them being major importers. And so it's going to be one of those situations where uh, when we look at the opportunities, if oil can continue to stay at relatively lower levels, it does definitely benefit some of the Asian countries here who tends to be mm. bigger importers. Yep. All right, Ken, thank you. We'll see you on TV shortly too. Ken Wong is Asian Equity Portfolio Specialist at Eastspring Investments on the line for us from Singapore here on Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.